Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Derek Gilling, CEO of Mosif, an API analytics platform that's raised over $15 million in funding. Derek, thanks for chatting with me today. Awesome. Glad to be here and discussing, uh, I guess, Mosif. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building there, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. So a fellow University of Michigan grad moved over to San Francisco back in 2011, was actually at Intel for a number of days, and then eventually found myself in the startup ecosystem. Uh, we started MOSA back in 2017, and our main focus is around API analytics and monetization. So these are folks who are thinking about treating their APIs as products, trying to grow their uh, developer or their API business. Really great to see you know, all the different companies out there that are trying to ship and productize APIs. And did you go straight from Intel to MOSIF, or was there something else in between? There was something in between. In fact, uh, this is the second rodeo in terms of launching a startup. We actually started a company before this called Trove Market that was in the e-commerce space. And that's really where we saw firsthand the power of APIs, but also some of the challenges around you know, getting metrics, understanding you know, the value that customers get or partners get from you know, some type of API or developer platform. Got it. Very cool. And two questions we'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder. Is there a specific CEO that you really admire the most? Sure. So Edith from LaunchDarkly, that is a feature flagging platform, and she mostly sells to developers and engineering leadership. The reason why we love Edith is for a couple of different reasons. Number one, she's very transparent on you know what works for her and what doesn't work for her in terms of go to market. For example, you know anytime you're selling to a developer or technical audience, a lot of times you'll hear discussions around build versus buy. And she actually wrote a couple of different posts. And, you know, we talked a few times around how to overcome those challenges, how to actually empower developers to say, hey, you can build this, but does it actually make sense for you to build it? She also likes to talk about how to layer in sales, you know, for a strong inbound uh, content engine. And lastly, just a great person to get to know and, you know, very down to earth. We got to get connected through her through the heavy bit ecosystem. Very cool. I see there are billboards all over SF. They seem to be making a very big push. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. And what about books? Is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you? And this could be a business book or just a personal book that's really influenced how you view the world? Yeah. So, I mean, funny enough, since I was at Intel and things like OKRs and all that was a big deal, I would say High Output Management from Andy Grove, you know, it goes into detail around how to manage efficient teams, you know, everything from goal setting to defining metrics and, and OKRs. And it's really focused on, you know, the operator side of things. So it's not going to really teach you around things like product market fit or anything around startups. Again, it's mostly focused on the operator side, but that is also an important area that, you know, a lot of startups forget about. You know, a lot of startup founders, they focus so much on product market fit and they realize there's still people, you know, there's still a team that you're trying to build and make sure they're as efficient as possible. Nice. Great book. What did you learn outside of that, just at your time at Intel? Were there any big takeaways that you learned from your time there? 
Sure. I would say one of the biggest is, you know, around management. How do you make sure you have an efficient team? How do you plan a good roadmap and strategy? For example, you don't want to ever overpromise a delivery of a feature when it comes to product management and project management. You always have to have a budget for bugs and fixes and everything. And this is something that Intel does very well, right? You know, they have a lot of data points on you know, how many bugs are expected to occur in a project. How do you actually manage project to make sure your engineers are working on the right bugs and the right tickets and everything? Funny enough, they actually used to have a Jira-like clone that we use at Intel. I don't know if they still have that. Maybe they just moved to Jira at this point. But great to see kind of how a large company operates for good and for bad. I mean, there's things that we learned at Intel around you know politics and, and all the things that could get in the way from innovation. But you know, I always recommend a founder to always you know start at a large company, see how it operates, see what works, what doesn't work. And that way, when you launch your own company, you can pull in a lot of those learnings. Nice. I love that advice. And now let's dive deeper into what you're building there. So I know you touched on it a bit there at the start, but let's start with the origin story. What's the origin story behind the company? Sure. So we started in 2017. And funny enough, the product was you know quite different than, than what it is today. Uh, we were actually focused on distributed tracing and how to debug APIs in a better way. This was mostly from a personal grievance of mine. You know, just with all the microservices and APIs out there, it's been a big PITA to figure out what the issue is. We quickly recognized that everyone from Datadog and New Relic to the cloud vendors are going to go after this space. And so we realized around 2019 that uh, we wanted to go after more of a blue ocean, a market that we could grow into and become a new category. And so that's where we pivoted towards product analytics for APIs. How do you understand the usage, growth metrics, and really make sure you can sell the API? And the big insight here is we realize, you know, these API products are no longer just something that a developer is talking about in the background when we talk about microservices. Now you hear about founders and C-suite and executives talking about an API-based product strategy. Keep in mind, in 2015, Twilio was only $500 million in valuation, right? So, you know, the API economy has gone a long ways, but, you know, we're nowhere done with, you know, where APIs can really generate a lot of wealth and a lot of value for different industries. And to zoom in on something you said there in terms of category, can you talk me through what the category strategy looks like and how you're positioning this category against some of the other maybe established categories that exist? Sure. So our focus is on API analytics and monetization. We sell mostly to the product org. A lot of times it's a VP of product, maybe it's a director of product, depending on how that company is structured. Sometimes we go after engineering leadership, especially if there's not a well-defined product org. But when you're creating a new category, it's really important to really hone in on your customer persona because you need to explain your solution really well and educate them. What are the benefits of using this new tool or this new framework or technology or whatever it is? The way we do that is actually through a lot of our content strategy. You know, we have content that focuses on top of funnel. We have content that is mostly focused on our existing customers. You know, how do you use a new feature or how do you leverage it for this particular use case? Things like case studies can be also very helpful for this type of stuff. But again, you know, when we look at our category, you know, there really wasn't much tooling, you know, that focus on API products for the product management side of the business. And, you know, when we look at our marketing material, everything we focus on is around the business, the product, how do you make a better product when it comes to API-based products. The other thing that I would say we think of is just 
around our go-to-market. You know, we like to lead by example. And given that how you sell an API is drastically a new concept for a lot of people, we share a lot of that material. How do you think about developer activation? How do you think about things like time to first hello world or time to first API call, which are metrics that we like to speak on and we present at different conferences just to, again, keep educating the market on, you know, the framework that we're uh, creating here. Makes a lot of sense. And for you, how do you define success in these category creation efforts? Do you need Gartner or Forrester or someone like that to validate it or the peer-to-peer platforms like G2? How do you define success there for category creation? You know, I don't think it's necessarily a G2 or Gartner or anything like that. It's actually listening to your customers and seeing the results that they get by adopting your solution, right? And so, you know, one of the cool things that we see is we get to work with a lot of different product engineering leaders from a lot of different companies. You know, some of these are, you know, B2B SaaS platforms. We see folks like PandaDoc and Tomato Isle are some of our customers, but to other industries like logistics, you know, UPS, one of our customers. And we get to see firsthand you know, their API strategy, how do they leverage analytics? And then it's pretty cool to see a technical leader's eyes light up when they get to some interesting insight, something that could completely change the trajectory of their product or their growth strategy. The other success I would say we get is work with a lot of founders and CEOs. A lot of our customers happen to be, you know, other startups. And it's a CEO that is in some ways defining and trying to figure out that product and growth strategy especially at the Series A, B, and C stage. And are there any numbers you can share in terms of growth and adoption that you're seeing? Sure. I mean, we definitely have hundreds of different customers, a lot of different industries, fintech, health tech. Actually, more recently, we're starting to see NFT and and Web3 companies use us on a lot of different picks and shovels of companies who are thinking about, again, trying to either sell their API or treat it as a product in itself. And what are some of the other categories that are maybe adjacent to API analytics? Sure. So we almost sit between two different worlds. On one side, we see traditional web and mobile analytics players. So this would be companies like Amplitude, Segment, that focuses more on B2C or mobile platforms. On the other side of the business, we see a lot of you know API gateway or management players. They don't usually sell into business teams. They instead sell into DevOps, SRE, deeply technical teams that are mostly focused on the infrastructure side of delivering an API product. The way that we, we like to work with these different areas is, is we actually partner, right? So we have plugins and partnerships with a lot of different API gateway vendors, a large cloud vendors, gateways like Amazon and Azure, to open source ones like Pike and Kong. And we see that as a great way for us to you know, have a one plus one equals three relationship. We refer you know, customers to you know, different gateways. They sometimes refer customers to us. And by using both solutions together, our joint customers can get a lot of value and make sure they're delivering a great API product. Same thing on the analytics side. You know, we have plugins with HubSpot and Segment and all these different tools to make sure you can unify all that data together. And as I'm sure you've experienced and you've seen, there's a lot of startup funding these days, or I guess it's uh, maybe uh, declining a little bit now, but for the last few years, there was a lot of startup funding. If you had to really boil it down to one thing, what would you say is the single biggest move you've made to allow you to really break through the noise and capture the attention of the market? Sure. So I would say there's three things. Number one, don't boil an ocean, right? And so I'll give you an example. When we were focused on the analytics use case, we always had this vision for doing monetization, right? Because 
you know, if you want to do any type of use space billing for an API product, you need to build out the analytics store and somehow, you know, figure out the uses for each of those customers. We actually did not ship that for quite some time. We purposely delayed this because we want to ensure our analytics has robust, you know, data integrity and governance features before it's used for billing purposes, right? And so we stayed focused just on the analytics use case. Once that was perfected and, you know, we were able to see a lot of customers getting value out of it, then we started, you know, layering in these other integrations. So in the last few months, we shipped integrations with Stripe and Chargebee and different billing providers. So now you can leverage the data that we have in MOSA, you know, for different use cases such as billing purposes. But again, it's not something that we started off overnight. We mostly focus on our customer persona. I think that's a really important piece. You know, we don't waver in terms of, you know, going after API products or companies that are thinking about API product strategy. And again, that can be different industries, but we're always focused on the product engineering leadership of those type of companies. And what was the journey like for making that decision to focus on that persona? Was that difficult? Were there a bunch of different options that you were evaluating? Because that's what I see a lot of times at startups is they have you know, a lot of options and a lot of different ways they could go. And sometimes it seems like it's a bit scary for them to say, okay, this is the one segment that we're going to focus on or the one type of persona that we're going to focus on. So what was that like for you as you were making that decision? Yes. Yeah, so when you're looking at you know, different personas, I would say, you know, going after the product org and the product persona became, uh, it was more of a natural fit for us. Initially, you know, we saw a lot of product managers were the ones who were advocating for most of at the organization, you know, telling their VP, hey, these are the benefits we can get by, you know, stealing a data-driven or analytics-driven culture. In addition to that, though, you know, we see product personas being the center across a lot of different teams. And when you think about analytics, a lot of times it's cross-functional. Right. So we might start with the product org, but then we can expand into the engineering use case, into, you know, cup success and support use cases to sales, marketing and so on. And so that's really important when we think about our go to market where it is a land and expand. We start with product. We don't necessarily end, you know, with the product team. And in 2017, when you started the company, did you start off with the idea of we are going to create a category or at what point did that come up or did you make that decision? Initially, we thought distributed tracing was going to be a category, but then it got really crowded and we got out of that space as quick as possible. I would say it'll be around 2019, you know, when we identified this new opportunity, a much larger opportunity, you know, given a lot of these budgets can be quite large and go after all the different teams I just mentioned, products, CSM and so on. But yeah, it was around 2019 when we started shifting focus. And did you have any investors push back? Because, you know, category creation obviously comes with a lot of benefits, but it's costly and it, it takes a lot of time. And what I've seen is some investors aren't really on board with, you know, supporting those types of journeys all the time. So what was that like for you pitching this idea to investors on creating a totally new category? Luckily, you know, our investors have been on board. You know, in fact, you know, our investors like Maris and Kraft are very focused on, you know, different categories that are out there that are being created versus, you know, investing in the next, you know, 10th version of the same SaaS product. The other thing that helped is, you know, we raised our seed round in 2019. So I guess as we were defining this, we we're also raising our round and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, they've been on board. And it may take a little longer for you to create a new category. And it's definitely harder on the, you know, operator team. You know, it requires a lot of stuff around CSM, content strategy, you know, everything to just educate why you should adopt this new technology that didn't really exist before. But the benefits far outweigh the you know, initial investment, right? And, and we can now start 
you know, reaping the benefits or the fruits of our labor there. And last couple of questions for you. What excites you most about the work you get to do every day? Yeah, I would say, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, which is seeing, you know, executives eyes light up when they get a new insight. I'm working with a lot of very cutting edge companies. You know, we work across fintech, health tech, you know, enterprise software. And, you know, if you're building out an API business, you're going to have a pretty robust engineering team, right? I mean, APIs are definitely deeply technical in nature. And so you get to work with a lot of individuals, you know, with different engineering backgrounds and such. And these customers are, these are engineers that could also build this themselves, right? Again, because they are, you know, cutting edge companies, but they also know what they should be focusing on. So a lot of the folks that we're talking to, they're, they're engineering leadership, they're director of product, architecture, whatnot. And they care about the business side of things too, right? It's not just about build, build, build and assume customers come, you know, they have an understanding of the importance around product strategy and analytics and, and all that other stuff. And that gets us excited too. And if we zoom out three years into the future, what's the future of the company look like? Or what's that vision for three years? Sure. So we definitely want to be the number one growth and experience platform for any API business out there. The way we're doing that, you know, if you look at companies like HubSpot, they did a phenomenal growth model where, you know, they have a free CRM. But then, you know, if you need a particular module like the, you know, newsletter slash email automation module, you can buy it. Um, same thing for they have like a, set, a sales module for sales sequencing emails and all that stuff. And we see something very similar for us, which is we have the analytics. Um, that's your source of truth for a lot of different things at the company. And then you can layer in additional automation that, that can actually help the company, whether it's monetization or different customer lifecycle emails and that type of stuff. Amazing. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, definitely check out our website, www.mosif.com. That's M-O-E-S-I-F.com. We also have a pretty advanced blog that you know walks through a lot of different things around how to build out your API strategy, especially if you think about being developer first or some type of bottoms up go to market. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat and share your vision and, and talk through what you're doing on the category side. It's always fun talking with the category creator. So thanks so much for taking the time. Definitely appreciate uh, being here. All right. Keep in touch.